This time on the Internet Computer Weekly, I myself, Arthur Falls, am interviewing Nick O'Neill of Aiken. And you guys have produced Nuance, which is a kind of decentralized medium built on Definity, the Internet Computer. Let's start off with your background, move into Aiken, and then take a look at Nuance. My background is in software, so I'm a product manager. I've been building software for a long time. I started actually as a designer, and over the years, I kind of moved into more senior roles and did a bit of project management for a while, but then I've done product management for the last about 10 years, I think. I have a background in publishing and building artificial intelligence decision support tools in the publishing industry to help editors actually make better decisions. How did that lead to the internet computer? Well, I was introduced to the internet computer by a friend of mine. And basically, when I started to you know, dig into what the internet computer was, the first thing that grabbed my attention was, you know, being a product manager, you have to you know, allocate the engineering and other resources to build software. And you know, a lot of that capacity that you allocate is allocated to things that don't directly benefit the user. So things like you know, setting up security and middleware, all these different kinds of things that you just have to do to build software. When I started to dig into Definity and you say, none of that stuff is necessary, you can just build a feature and ship it. Of course, that really grabbed my attention. And for me, it seems to be, or at least is potentially, the next evolution of software development. I mean, I love to build software. I do it in my spare time. I do it for my job. And this does seem to be the next major iteration that enables Web3 for the masses. So that's what really got me excited about it. And then I suppose, you know, having a publishing background, I started to think about, you know, a lot of the problems with the current publishing industry. And I thought about how Web3 could help solve those problems. And so that's what I decided to build something. (laughs) That's pretty impressive to take the bull by the horns like that. So there's like a threshold you cross there that I'm particularly interested in. And that is the moment when you took a blockchain-based solution seriously. When I speak to a lot of people who work in traditional software, they see the hype, they see the grandiose claims and the culture of, I guess, blockchain maximalism. And they see it as a bit of a turnoff, to say the very least, but also an incredibility indicator. My question for you is how did you take Definity, the internet computer, how did you take that seriously where other people haven't who have access to basically the same information? Well, first of all, this friend who introduced me has a knack for making good decisions. He's been a friend of mine. We used to work together. I used to live in uh, Copenhagen and he was also living in Copenhagen at the time. And, you know, he just has a knack for, you know, making good decisions. He's just a very good decision maker, let's say. So when he introduced me to it, instantly I thought, okay, this has credibility. That was, I suppose, the first threshold I had to reach. And then after that, I just really dug into it. I just read everything I could on Divinity. And I thought, okay, this could all be just smoke and mirrors. But if it's not, then there's a world of opportunity here. As far as applying the unique properties of the internet computer that we could go into in depth, but we don't need to list them now, What was the connection that you saw between real-world problems and the internet computer itself? I think I've posted about this before on on Nuance, but to me, there were still some problems that Web2 haven't solved. So if you look at, let's just use Medium as a comparison. 
I mean, Medium is a beautiful piece of software. It's very easy to use. It's very minimal. I know there's a lot of stuff under the hood going on, but you know, for the user, it's beautifully simple. And anybody can post something on Medium. They can create a beautiful article for free, no problems, and post it to the world. So I think the democratization of that was already in hand with Medium. But there were still some problems, I think, that are consistent across Web2 for authors posting on Medium. Of course, the first thing that comes to mind is around censorship. And I think CEO censorship, as I refer to it, has been a bigger problem over the recent period. I think also there was, there's always been a problem with authors over the ownership of their work on Medium. When I post an article, who actually owns that and things like that. Not just Medium, but of course, in publishing in general, ownership has been a problem. And I think the third problem is around basically the monetization. So making sure that the people who actually create the work are the ones that are receiving a fair share of the financial upside of that work. So those three problems, I think, are very difficult to solve on Web 2 and actually are very easy to solve on Web 3. Yeah, we can get into those because they're going to be fundamental and they're all going to come right back to us. Before we get there, though, I'd actually like to ask you a question about Medium. I mean, Medium came out, what was it, 2014? Yeah, a while ago, yeah. Yeah, a while ago. But, I mean, blogging had been going on for ages. So why did it take so long for Medium to come along? It seems like it would be one of the first web two things that you'd see, right? We've already got YouTube. Why wouldn't you just do a YouTube for written content, right? Yeah, I mean, there was Blogspot and Blogger and all these different blogging platforms, I think. But I think Medium, you can almost say they mastered blogging on Web2, I think. You know, it's just very easy to use. So I think, you know, as these things happen in different paradigms, I mean, I think it would be very difficult to build a better blogging platform on Web2 than Medium. I think Medium have really nailed it on Web2. And what got me excited, as I was saying before, about the ICE, because for me, Internet Computer is really just like Web3 in a box. All the things that are amazing or the opportunities in Web3 are very easy on the Internet Computer. And I think, you know, Web2 in general has improved over time, you know, focusing on the user experience and making things easier to use and all that kind of stuff as mass adoption has come along. Moving on to Aiken, because this sets us up very well for our conversation about Nuance. Aiken, I presume, was founded with the primary directive of building the Nuance blocking platform that we could describe as a Web3 medium. Can you talk us through what it took to found Aiken and what your general goals are for the organization? Well, when we set up Aiken, we weren't quite sure what we were going to build. And initially, and I think still, we're very focused on Nuance at the moment, but we have Nuance, which is a blogging platform. Of course, we get in more into this later where, okay, it starts with blogging, but it will go into more general publishing in the future. But for Aiken, it was really, though I describe it as, you know, you have Adobe, which has Photoshop and Illustrator, et cetera. We kind of wanted like a parent of the products that we were building. And the thinking at the time was, okay, Nuance will be our first product, but we will have other products that come in within that brand of Aiken. So we wanted that brand, I suppose, above Nuance. You know, we future-proofed ourselves against more products in the future. Personally, what was the moment when you decided that you were going to found Aiken? It was shortly after I was introduced to the internet computer by this friend of mine. For transparency's sake, he's also our angel investor. I suppose after that phone call, I did research for a month or so. And then I was like, okay, I really need a tech co-founder. And that's when I reached out to Paul, my co-founder. And I suppose at that point, you know, when he and I started to talk about it, I was like, okay, 
we have this new opportunity, right? And we're very early. So of course, you know, you look at Ethereum and it's much more established. And we just had this sense that, okay, we are very early on the internet computer. Of course, this was before, I think we were starting to get really on board around Tungsten, I think, the launch. So we were like, you know, this thing is not even live yet. We have some funding from an angel investor and, you know, opportunities don't get much better than this. I mean, we just thought this was an amazing opportunity. That's kind of how it started. You've got this idea for a blogging platform. What other plans do you have for Aiken? At this stage, we're really focused on nuance, as I mentioned before. We don't really have any other major products on our mind at the moment. We have some ideas of, I think, gaps in the internet computer that Aiken could build. We even have the idea that, you know, we want to build Aiken as a company with capacity in regards to engineering and design and everything like that. And that, you know, that capacity could be used even to contribute to other projects and things like that. But I would say it's pretty vague at the moment what our intentions are to do with Aiken. Our sole focus at the moment is on nuance. And finally, how many people work for Aiken right now? You know, you've got yourself, you've got your CEO. Yeah, so I've got myself, uh, founder CEO. We've got Paul, who's co-founder CTO. We have two engineers. They're based in India. We have a designer based in Rotterdam. And we're in the interview process. So we're hoping to hire four more engineers in the very, very short term to bring us up to, I think, a pretty good-sized team. And then, of course, we have other open positions around marketing and stuff like that. So currently, we're five. None of us are full-time on the project yet. And in December, we're hoping to raise seed. And at that point is when, of course, full-time becomes a reality, basically. Why December? We hope to reach around that time, like almost, say, medium parity, right? Functional parity. So at the moment, we know we have our alpha release out there. It's extremely basic. You can't do much other than write a post and post it. But of course, there are other, I would say, you know, standard blogging features such as, you know, upvoting, commenting, bookmarking, sharing, all those kinds of things. There's about eight of those kind of, I would say, core features that which we need to implement. We're aiming for around December to have that stuff done. That would be basically our beta release. So of course, we're doing, you know, continuous deployment. So we're releasing these features as and when they're ready. But I think around December is when we're going to have, I would say, a respectable blogging platform. And we think that's a good time to go for seed. Of course, we also have the concern that, you know, we have angel investment. And of course, that money is going to run out eventually. We have enough funding at our current burn and forecast burn to last us until probably March. But still, of course, you know, these things take time to once you get seed to actually get money in the bank. So we think December is a good time for those reasons. Now that we're kind of approaching Nuance almost from the back door now, can you give us the pitch? What is Nuance? You know, we know it's a blocking platform. It's running on the internet computer. What makes it unique? What makes it commercially viable in a world where it's essentially going to have to symmetrically compete with multi-billion dollar platforms? Yeah, I think the two key selling points are the community governance and the fair monetization. So the community governance part is, of course, you know, we want it to become like basically a DAO where it'll be owned and governed by the token holders. I think that's very attractive. You know, if you look at these super creators, for example, who have these huge followings and stuff like that, and they can actually have a piece of the pie. I think that is very attractive for that. And of course, that also extends into the monetization aspects. I think we still have some challenges. We have some, I think, some novel monetization ideas we've spoken about before, Arthur, around how we're going to release articles, etc. But we just still have a challenge of if we're going to implement something like tipping, right? 
what's going to motivate or incentivize a reader to tip when they don't have to, for example. So we have some things we haven't thought about or we haven't figured out yet. But I think the two key things, as I said, are the community governance. So there's no CEO censorship where the community makes the rules, etc. And I think the fair monetization for all contributors, whether they be an author, a fact checker, a moderator, I think it's just more fair. How do you intend to distribute ownership to the actual content creators that are using the platform? So the content creators in that bucket, I'll include the authors and we will introduce moderation and also fact-checking. And I realize when I say, I know fact-checking is a sort of a sub part of moderation. So what we will do is we're going to reward those content creators with two things. One is governance tokens and the other is say reputation tokens, let's say. And reputation tokens you know, are instrumental also for us to surface experts in certain areas because one of our focuses on nuance is to ensure quality content. And we want to encourage, you know, decentralized opinions, we say, or thoughtful contribution. We want to move away from this polarization, stuff like that. Yeah, I think, and we're still figuring all this out. Like our focus at the moment is build a medium clone. Let's just say that for simplicity's sake. And, you know, we intend to implement these solutions where we have these two tokens and the governance tokens and reputation tokens are earned through contribution to the platform. When you think of a blogging platform, It kind of feels like it should be easy, right? Can't you just copy paste something like this off GitHub and um, add a few bells and whistles and Bob's your uncle? What is it that makes developing a blogging platform on the internet computer a challenge? You know, the whole way the canisters work and Matoko and all these kind of things, right? It's a different language and it's a fundamentally different stack of technology, I would say. So I think engineers are probably better equipped to answer that question, but <laughs> yeah, right, of course. But I think, you know, and that is some of the headwind we face is that, you know, we're recruiting engineers who are from Web2, right? So they have an on-ramp to learn, okay, so there's no databases, okay, well, where do you store data and these kinds of things. So I think it is a fundamental shift in the technology stack, which is actually the key benefit, right? Like you don't have to worry about, you know, firewalls and security of your data because that's just natively there. It feels like there's two things at play here. There's two forces, I guess, that are influencing the way that you're fielding nuance. On the one hand, this is a well-understood product category. You have to make sure that you're providing an optimal experience that is on par with something that has been extremely well-refined over essentially decades, but you've got to do it in a environment which is new to the professionals who would normally be building this kind of software. Am I on the right track in my description of why this is a unique challenge? I mean, I don't want to downplay it or make it sound boring, but in a lot of ways, nuances from the user experience, not that exciting. It's not that different from Medium. It's not going to be that different from Medium, but all the differences are under the hood, right? It's got to do with that governance and the monetization, etc. So In some ways, it's very boring on the surface, but under the hood is where I think it's fundamentally different and it's where it gets extremely exciting. Right, because blogging should be boring on the surface because it's just blogging. It's just writing, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, this is just another page in the book of Gutenberg, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that has helped us basically to focus, right? Like we know that from a user experience point of view, we're not actually building anything revolutionary. All the revolutionary stuff is under the hood. So it's allowed us to really focus, in the beginning at least, 
I mean, if you look at Medium, for example, we know that they've done a lot of user research, right? We know that they're very good at what they do, right? So, of course, we're doing our own user research, but I mean, we can really use Medium and other blogging platforms, as you say, because they've been refining it and tuning it for decades, right? Let's call it inspiration. This is kind of interesting because rather than having to come up with some incredibly like innovative technical solution, you can literally just look at how Medium does it and take that incredible design and reapply it to your new blogging platform. It's actually ingenious as far as a product category to approach because all of the work is essentially research, right? Yeah. You know, if you look at Medium, right, as I said, they've done a lot of user research. They've got beautiful designers, you know, who've done some amazing work, or beautiful design, I should say. And when we're doing our mock-ups, right, we're really, you know, you have the mock-up of what Nuance is going to look like, right? And we always have, you know, screenshots of the other platforms, you know, whether it be Reddit or Medium or whatever. And we're just, as I say, we're using this inspiration. But, you know, as you said, these things have been tuned for years and years. So why would we try and reinvent the wheel on the front end? Where is Nuance right now? What is its content creator experience? What is its user experience? We have our alpha release. So we have around, I think, eight authors who we've invited so far. So very, very few. We've had over 4,500 people who have signed up for pre-registration. But we only have about eight at the moment who we're working with. And these eight I'm working quite closely with. I know the term MVP, minimum viable product, is thrown around now by you know, all kinds of people who don't know what they're talking about. But this really is, in a sense, MVP. It is the absolute minimum we could launch with. And it is, as I said, as an author, I log in. And we don't even have a proper login at the moment. We don't even have an internet identity or a blog or any other login. It is like a Web2 login. So the users can log in and they can create a post. It has a title and it has a body. And of course, in the body, they have some basic formatting options and they can post. That is it. Of course, that is the minimum. We couldn't have any less than that and release. That was our goal, right? And for two reasons. One, I mean, the whole philosophy behind the MVP is to get user feedback as early as possible. But also for Paul and I, it was really, we built something and we shifted on the IC. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) we built something and we shipped it. From, I think, a psychological perspective for Paul and I, it was something to do, but also just, again, from good product management best practice to get it out there and get feedback as early as possible. And you know yourself, right? We found some pretty serious bugs already with just those eight users. So these are all good things to get feedback on. And we have our Discord where we're getting input on ideas and that's going to help us prioritize the things we want to do. It's extremely basic at the moment, as I said. And you know we're just going to be releasing, as I said, the core blogging features over the coming weeks and months. Let's take us to the seed round. So you raise seed funding. Now you're doing so with a beta release. This is essentially feature parity with Medium. Obviously, there are some kinks to be ironed out, but I would presume that you'd iron those out relatively quickly. So that takes us to, let's imagine, March. You've got a mature blogging platform built on the internet computer. Where do you go to from there? Well, that is actually when we get into the really cool stuff, right? So that's when we get into the reputation, the ownership problem of who owns the content, the monetization aspects that we've spoken about before. So I think that's when we start to get into the really cool stuff. And it kind of works out well for us because I think, you know, a lot of those things, like even the governance stuff, right? So I know there's the proposal by the foundation on the internet computer. 
around having basically the internet computer governance, so like a liquid democracy that is basically in a canister, right? So what we're hoping for, let's say, is that, you know, the platform will have matured somewhat by then, right? Where we can start to take some of these things out of the box, not just from the foundation, but also, you know, things that like, for example, what Hazel is building and what Tonic are building and Plug are building or whatever, right? We're hoping, you know, not have to build all of these things and then reuse these capabilities when they mature a bit. And so our hope is that, you know, by that time next year and March next year, that some of those things have settled down a little bit and we can just, you know, take stuff off the shelf and just say, okay, we need an NFT solution. Boom. This is what we're going to use. We need, you know, this solution. Okay. Someone else has built that. We're just going to reuse that. So it's a combination of we won't be ready anyway, but it is the things that differentiate us from other blogging platforms is what we really start to build out next year. Wow, that actually sounds like the playbook that was supposed to be deployed on the internet computer. I'm not sure if you're aware of that as a model that was part of the original vision of the internet computer, or you've just seen the writing on the wall, but it's really awesome to see that that is the direction you're thinking. I wasn't aware of it. As you say, I've just seen the writing on the wall, I think. And I just also want to hear, do a bit of a shout out to the community. I mean, the community within the IC is just so collaborative. You know, everyone is just trying to help each other, you know, whether it's District or Discover or Hazel or Jordan or whoever, right? It's just everybody is trying to help each other. And yeah, it's a really great community to be a part of. And I think that's what makes that collaboration so much easier because you know that these other companies or other people are building these solutions and they're willing to share with open source and all this kind of stuff. It's just great. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Okay, so what excites you about the future for the internet computer? I mean, you're in the thick of it right now, so I'm interested to hear your perspective. I touched on it before, and I think that is, you know, Web3 in a box. And I know there's probably a lot of people who are cringing over that, but, you know, I'm not an engineer. I'm a product manager, and as a product manager, you know, everything is easier than it actually is. I think the internet computer is the on-ramp for mass adoption of Web3. You know, we know how Web2 went wrong with advertising and all that kind of stuff. And the business models have created these behemoths, which have led to a lot of these other problems over CEO censorship and data and all these kinds of stuff. Yeah, I think what people miss is, I call it the beauty of this technology. You know, you saw it, I think it was the Mercury launch where they went through everything. It's like, yeah, well, cryptography wasn't good for us. So we built some new stuff and there was no coding language good enough for us. So we did Matoko. When you're watching that, you're just like, holy crap, these guys have just done so much stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so people should focus on the technology and not the price of ICP is what I would say. But yeah. Well, thanks so much, Nick. A pleasure as always. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show before too long. But before that happens, how can people sign up for Nuance and follow Aiken's progress? You can follow us on Twitter. It's Aiken Daps. So that's A-I-K-I-N-D-A-P-P-S. Aiken Daps on Twitter. Or you can go to our Web2 website, which is Aiken.io. So A-I-K-I-N.io. We haven't got that on the IC yet simply because, well, maybe we use Wix, which is a CMS, which is really easy to use. And we didn't have time to do it on the IC. But yeah, Aiken.io or Aiken Daps on Twitter is the best place to stay in contact. Maybe a internet computer CMS could be the next piece of the pie that you guys bite off. Yeah, I mean, I know there's one of those, I forget the name of it now, but I have seen one of those in, in the works on the IC. And I think I touched on this last time we spoke. I mean, you know, there's so much opportunity on the IC. It's just 
everywhere you look, you're like, oh, hang on, that doesn't exist on Web3. This doesn't exist on Web3. It's just, you know, I mean, the only reason we chose blogging is because of my publishing background. And, you know, there is just a world of opportunity. I suppose for those listening, it's almost a call to arms because to hear someone who's walked into the space, walked into the ecosystem and chosen blogging, one of the biggest possible services that you could possibly bite off. It just goes to show how much opportunity there really is out there. Yeah. Join us is all I would say. Join us. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Nick. This has been a pleasure. I'll be in touch and I'll see you before too long, I'm sure. Cool. Thanks for your time, Arthur. And thanks for this. The Internet Computer Weekly has a sister newsletter featuring news, project updates, interesting tidbits and reading that come up over the course of the week. Together, they are part of a larger effort at ecosystem building we are calling the Cycle Dow. Visit cycledow.xyz to subscribe and learn more.